0: Do you want to get more out of everything that you read? Well, join the club! Or you could join Booktopia's CEO, Tony Nash, and start listening to more audiobooks instead. Tony is someone who doesn't stress about taking notes while he's listening to audiobooks and instead prefers to absorb the information into his mental data bank. So if you have ever felt guilty or stupid for not retaining everything you've learned in books or training programs or podcasts like this one, then I think that you will love hearing about how Tony thinks about making learning automatic. My name is Dr. Amantha Imba. I'm an organisational psychologist and the founder of behavioural science consultancy Inventium, and this is How I Work, a show about how to help you do your best work. On today's My Favourite Tip episode, we go back to an interview from the past and I pick out my favourite tip from the interview. This extract starts with Tony describing the impact that some first aid training had for him.
1: There's a leader of Booktopia, and I don't have to do it anymore. I've got other people who do this, but I've done first aid training at Booktopia, right? So you you go in and you do the one day course and you you give the the dummy all the pumps and do all the things you're supposed to do, lie them on the side, talk about this injury and what you've got to do, applying pressure there, all the things that that, um, are required to do first aid. My mate, my next door neighbor, um, was working in the garden and he was using a pickaxe to get rid of some sugar cane that was growing in his garden. And he fell two meters down onto the the bed below him and then rolled and fell another two meters onto the concrete driveway next to that. So he uh, hit his head and blood and unconscious. And so I'm reversing out and there's a lady standing over him. I'm going, what's going on? And there's there he is lying in the, in the driveway. And what did I know what to do? I couldn't re- remember. And it, luckily for him, uh, a doctor was driving past. He's an opth- ophthalmologist, so you know, an eye surgeon with his wife, and they stopped, and he came out. He knew what questions to ask. He's a doctor. He's trained. He knew exactly how to, to ask this and do that and be in this position, and then finally the ambulance arrived. And <clears throat> the thing for me about business and about these books and everything else that you're reading and consuming, is it's got to be automatic in a similar kind of way. So when, when I talk about someone resigning, and my reaction, automatic reaction, is like, wow, oh, wow, what do you got where are you going next? That's so exciting. It's like, that's automatic for me. But if someone had to go, now what did Tony say again? Did he say we had to do this or we have to like then it's not automatic. Then you're you're learning the skill, it's still at that, you know, learning how to ride a bike or drive a car, you're learning all the skills and it's not automatic. And so it's really about the automation of that. So when you say what you just said to me in terms of you're reading these things and then you want to you want to stop. It's like you you want to put the book on pause because you want to make notes and you want to think about that and you want to you want to mull over it and then work out how you can use it. I've just set that up that I'm going to do that um, through listening and that whatever I take in, I take in and is adding to my data bank of of knowledge and information that is automatic.
0: So with making things automatic, what are some other habits or things that you do in your working life that just happen automatically that you feel like serve you really well like your reaction for to when someone resigns
1: so when something comes out of left field and it's not necessarily something resigning so extra costs on certain things projects next to six hundred thousand dollars here that you weren't expecting or a hundred thousand here uh we when we were moving from lane cove to lidcombe or to, to the region where we are now near Olympic Stadium and where the big Australia Post Hub is, which is where we wanted to move to. We had spent a year trying to find a place, found a place, paid out $10,000. Not, it's not a deposit. It's like a heads of agreement kind of holding money so that you go, yeah, we're taking this property and sign the heads of agreement. And then I got a call from the real estate agent to say, Tony, I've got the worst possible news. The CEO of a large multinational who rents from your landlord that you you want to take the building from wants the property that you've taken has rung the CEO of that that company and demanded that they get it because they rent all over the country and it doesn't matter that they've signed something else, forget it. And so he was just like, well, had to make this call to me and just say, how, um, you know, like apparently he was sweating bullets before making the call because it was Christmas Eve and we'd worked all year and he just like, he was just gutted to have to do this. And I let him speak. And then at the end of it, I said, Sean, relax. The only reason you're telling me this is there's a better property waiting for us around the corner. And because I wasn't so angry and pissed off and kicking the bucket and whatever else, and you did this, uh, because I was so amenable. We got a bigger property for an amazing price because we really helped them out. They they were under pressure. And so they did what, what they could to really support our, how supportive we were. And that's happened many, many times in various things where um, something comes out of left field. And when you're in business, things come out of left field. You cannot be running a company, even as the appointed CEO or a leader in your company. It doesn't matter what's going on. Even in your team, something will come out of left field, it's, and you've got to be able to say, bring it on. Uh, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, last night, is like my son, 17-year-old, doing his HSC, you know, silly kids, right? He takes his computer upstairs. He gets a gl- glass of water out of the fridge, turns around, and because I'd been doing the dishes, the computer fell into the tub that I was washing dishes in. You know, like there's no point in just kicking and screaming. It's like, okay, how are we going to resolve this? What needs to happen? And you just got to get it done. But I think that's an important skill. You want to be able to be as stable as you can in any situation because you've got to, you'll be more resourceful. You'll be more available to listen to others. You'll think of options. It's when you're really emotionally charged and you're angry, all of a sudden, all of that capacity to think of something else is is almost removed because you, you just don't have the memory space to focus on that. That is definitely one that served me very well.
0: So how did you almost train yourself to have that reaction become automatic?
1: I'm not embarrassed to say, and I'll protect the people involved, but I, when I sold my recruitment company, it was sold to a listed company and and we had a dot-com crash and things were just, were, it was just, Everything just went to pieces in the late 90s, early 2000s. There was a lot of companies that went under. The whole market fell out. If you look at the NASDAQ in the early 2000s, you'll you'll see it go from like 5,000 points to 1,600 or something. It was just really awful. Anyway, the, the guy that was running the company that made the acquisition, he had a meeting with the head office. And he came back and he just he was just so pissed off with what had happened at the board level that he walked to his desk and just smashed the filing trays all across the room and i was there anyone in the office at the time it was in the evening i was working and everything just went flying everywhere and i th- i looked at that and going is that really the best way to react and manage a situation it just didn't give me a lot of confidence in his dealing with crisis and so that was one thing that I remember, I was quite shocked. And I, I remember going, that's not the way that I want to operate in a situation. So if you ask me what happened outside of my personal experience, that was one that immediately comes to mind. But when I was younger and and I remember I was coaching or managing a young basketball team of teenagers and something had happened and I just lost my I lost it and I just started yelling at the kids and there was parents and everyone in the stands and I remember my mum coming up to me later and she goes, I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. Nothing could have been better for anyone to say anything at that time uh, for me to then think about how my reaction really didn't work. So I think those two things was that that when I think about them, they pop up and It must be some of the core, you know, red faced experiences that one that I I had done to myself and one where I was like, someone else had done it to, to themselves and I was observing that gave me reference points to shift.
0: I hope you enjoyed my chat with Tony and got something out of it. Now, if you're enjoying how I work, I would be so grateful if you could take maybe five, ten seconds out of your day to leave a review wherever you're listening to this from. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, all you need to do is click on a star rating, or you might even want to write some words. Um, and thank you to the hundreds of people that have left reviews. It's so wonderful getting listener feedback, and it really does make my day. So thank you. How I Work is produced by Inventium with production support from Deadset Studios. And thank you to Martin Imber, who does the audio mix and makes everything sound much better than it would have otherwise. See you next time.